Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm sore. As opposed to VMworld, I'm sore from that. I got dragged along to an MMA training session last night. I am very sore from that and I'm tired. <laughs> but aside from that, I'm very excited about our, our guest joining us today. Um, and how about yourself, Jarian? Doing, doing good, just uh, getting ready to head out to Norway here in a few days, getting ready for that. Uh, so excited to go check out Norway and to be able to present at that event over there. So looking forward to it a lot. That always seems like a good one. The, Nor- the Norway one is the cruise, isn't it? Yes, uh, two-day cruise. So I fly into Norway, um, I stay or Oslo. I stay the night, and then the next day uh, it's a cruise to the um, the water of sea between Norway and Germany, and then two days later come back and then fly home. So for me, it's a very quick trip. I basically leave Monday afternoon, get there midday Tuesday, and then leave there Friday afternoon to come back home. <laughs> a nice short trip, nice short trip. Yeah. But anyway, we've already wandered way off topic and we're already two minutes in. So uh, without further ado, I just want to introduce our guest today, uh, Helga Klein, um, you know, a very, very well-known man in our industry, um, you know, blogging and, and writing tools and, you know, helping the industry with, with, with presentations and stuff for well over a decade. Um, so uh, first of all, Helga, it's lovely to have you here. Um, hello. Hi, uh, thanks for taking me. It's a pleasure. Great. Okay, so I mean, you, let's let's launch into a little bit about yourself. So I mean, you started, you know, you started life as a consultant, you know, and with an IT background. Obviously, if 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 you go back further than that, correct me. Uh, you know, and you're now, um, you're now, you know, the, you're you've got your own uh, software company, Fast Limits. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your IT journey? You know, how you started off, how you got started in IT, and you know where it's taken you along the way. Oh yeah, well that's that goes back quite a few years. Um, I started by uh, playing around with IT uh, as a teenager when I uh, got an Atari ST. Uh, it was a quite an exciting machine at the time. I can't remember how much RAM it had. I think five twelve K. That yeah, I guess so. And uh, on that machine, I taught myself first uh, GFA Basic, I think it was called. Some, maybe someone remembers it. I think it was a German company. They have, I still remember the color of the, the handbook. It was a, a, the, the, those, those, a printed handbook. Uh, it was red paper with uh, black ink on it. And I think that chose the red paper so you couldn't photocopy it. <laughs> so it's kind of uh, protection <laughs> against uh, uh, software duplication. Uh, and after that, I learned a C on that machine. And uh, all that took me about a year. And then I lost interest and I dropped computing altogether for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. And uh, I spent my time uh, playing with other things. Very good. Okay, so you started out, you know, as, as a dabbling developer. It's a very familiar story, actually, because Remco Winan started in a similar way, and I started I started that way myself on my Commodore Plus Four or Commodore Sixty Four. I can't remember what it was. But so, like, when you when you dropped IT and you you obviously finished up in school and all the rest, how, how does how did you get wrangled back into IT again? Uh, well, that's actually quite, uh, uh, I think it's quite unusual the way it went. I studied uh, the, the technology behind photography. So uh, back in the day, it was still films and chemistry and, of course, optics and stuff like that. It had not very much to do with computers in, in those days, in the early 90s. Um, and suddenly a friend of mine, an old friend from school, materialized, and he told me about a guy uh, he knew who had a computer shop, and he asked me to come work in that computer shop with him. And I did remember, okay, you do, you'd at one, once 
upon a time you did know a few things about computers uh, so i tried it for a year or so and it was fun <laughs> and i learned a lot about uh, in those days ms dos and windows 3.1 and how to copy a form uh, yeah copy a uh, floppy disk. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a while to come up with that term. I haven't used that in a while. And uh, yeah, so that I found that is that it was fun. And I, after that, roughly a year, I finished my studies and then landed in consulting and IT consulting. That is. Oh, very good. Okay, so IT consulting. Did did you start off in end user computing initially, or was it was it more server stuff, or how did you get started in the consulting period? Uh, kind of uh, in those days, in the late nineties, uh, in in many larger companies, they did have one big, uh, well, big or smaller, uh, PC uh, department where they took care of PCs and servers and uh, everything that ran ran on uh, x eighty six hardware. And um, I started out as a kind of, a, how do you say in English, a helping hand that does everything, helps out wherever he's needed. And uh, so, so one of the first projects I helped out with was a Novell migration from, I think, Novell 3 point something to 4 point something, uh, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and oh, then wow. the, second, the second project was a migration in a different, uh, a different customer, a migration from OS2 to Windows NT4 at the time, the newest and greatest. <laughs> Uh, so that was kind of, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty much related to end-user computing. And the next project after that was migration of these servers in the backend from uh, OS2 to, that was a, one, one year later, to Windows 2000. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, the, you, you move quite quickly through the operating systems there. That's so interesting. I mean, people think, um, you know, Novell, they hear Novell and they kind of laugh and they think, you know, it's so gone. But I'm actually still fighting Novell to this day in, in, in an Irish financial. So they're not, they're, they've gone nowhere. They're still there in some places, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's unbelievable. It just keeps going. Yeah, some some admins used to be proud of uh, the Novell server. It has been running for I don't know one year or two without patching, without uh, rebooting. Uh, so how for how long did the, have those machines been running? You are still seeing today for ten years, fifteen years. It's not necessarily. I don't think. I don't believe there there are still Novell machines in theory. It's the Novell authentication pieces, and you know the, the the administration frameworks that they have in the background that, that are still lingering around and causing me much of a headache. But yeah, I know what you mean about the about the uptimes of the of the of those servers. I mean there there were oh, there were photos on LinkedIn only recently. I saw with a server with like ten years uptime <laughs> that never gone down. You know, it's uh, it's crazy when you think about it. But I mean, how computing has moved forward when you could leave a server stack for that long and uh, and still perform a function things are just moving so fast these days that you probably are not going to see that again anyway I, I've, I've wandered way off topic so I mean move, moving kind of you know into, into some of the items that we'd planned for today um, you know so you, you, you ended up consulting you, you ended, ended up in Windows Server I mean but where most of us will know you from is your is your you know your, your profiling your, your 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 terminal services remote desktop services and you know and, and Citrix as, as time moved on I mean but I mean without a doubt uh, you know the one tool that we've all used in the enterprise at one stage or another uh, was Set ACL. I mean, Set ACL, um, from what I can see, it, it, it was just everywhere. Um, you know, where where did this tool come from, and you know, what kind of what kind of uptake did you see there? Because I know personally it's massive, but I'd love to know where this came from and you know how it currently stands. Oh yeah, well, um, in one of those pretty early projects uh, when I was 
um, tasked with doing various uh, Windows Server migrations from one domain to another and things like that. Um, I, in one day, I had to um, migrate a print server. And uh, I found that there was no tool that could set permissions on printers from the command line. So there was basically no way to automate the uh, setting of permissions on printers. And at that customer, they wanted to have permissions on printers so that not every user could print to every printer, but instead only users could print to printers on their location, in their location, in their department, things like that. And since I needed to migrate that print server, I had to come up with a way to set those permissions on those hundreds of print queues. And well, um, I found there is a Windows, there was a Windows API, it still is there. And I just wrote that initially very stupid, simple little tool uh, that could set permissions on printers. And then I found, well, this API, it can do more. It can do, set permissions on nearly everything, on files and on, well, register keys and services and a few other uh, quite obscure things. So I worked a little bit more on it, and that's basically how Zedacle, um, as I call it, <laughs> others call it ZACL, it's perfect too. So, so that's how it got started. Wow, okay. It's interesting it started with printers because that was the one thing I used in it over and over and over again. Cause, I mean, while the file permissions and registry permissions were great, even the fact that you could back them up before you, know, you made any changes was, was, a wonderful, uh, was a wonderful insight. But I mean, even up to Windows 2008 or 2, I was using uh, SatHackle for, um, for, for printer permissions in terminal services. So it's fascinating to hear that's where it started its journey, you know? I mean, for anybody who's not listening, SetACL was a command line tool for, um, you know, set, it's, you know, it's scripted changing of uh, of ACLs and you, you could you could um you could you know you, you could go right down the, the, the folder tree changing permissions all the way down. There was a backup option there as well in case you, you screwed something up that you could back out of. But I mean the uptake on said ACL always looked big to me in the sense that I always saw it in, in, in customers that I went out to or even you know the environments I worked in. I mean how big was said ACL? I mean did you did you track the downloads at all? Uh, yeah, kind of, yes. Uh, the download tracking got a little bit more difficult because I changed the hosting platform at some point in time. Initially, uh, the project was hosted uh, on SourceForge and they had their own uh, download tracker. Then they changed their download tracker tracking system from one platform to another. And uh, finally, I'm, today I'm hosting it on my own blog. So uh, there were quite a few breaks in between. But uh, I'm guessing that that Eckle probably has been downloaded the, for, in the more or less 15 years of its existence about 600, 700,000 times, something like that. That's incredible for 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 a point solution. I mean that that really is that, that really is incredible. So yeah, obviously taking your developer background from you know what you learned as a as a kid, and then you know having a use case in your um, in your environment, the, the tools kind of spawned into to what it is today. That you know it's a it's a it's a great little success story for for people who plug away in their garage and uh, end up with something. Um, with something fantastic. Do, do you think the success of Sedacle what was surprised you? Uh, well, the thing is, uh, these, uh, such a development is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes years. And so in the first week, maybe two guys downloaded it. And then in the next month, maybe 10 guys. And so it starts very slowly. It's, um, at the, initially, you don't even notice very much happening. And then suddenly, a few years later, someone you meet some guy or you go to a new customer, do some consulting, and then suddenly you find your own tool in their environment already doing uh, some good work. 
And that's when you notice and you re realize, wow, wow, this does seem to spread quite nicely. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I, I I completely hear what you said. The the, the what the, two, the you know the two tools that that I've written over the time that I that I see most often are Think Kiosk and Threadlocker. Uh, even in the obscure places, I, I only saw Threadlocker in a um in a you know a, a stock exchange slash broker environment recently where the the desktops had uh, they had twelve twelve or sixteen CPUs per desktop. They had seven screens, thirty two inch screens, and they were using <laughs> Threadlocker to ensure that Excel could only ever use ninety five percent of the processors. <laughs> <laughs> to ensure that they to ensure that they, they still had enough processing power to run the Windows Explorer, they had these crazy macros pulling data from all over the place, and uh, yeah, it was it, it's really it's it really is intriguing. So I I hear you on that one. Too. It, it it's great validation when you see something running out there in a, in a customer's environment. Um, I mean, but obviously, I mean, from your the set ACL was was just one of you know of a plethora of of projects you worked in. You know, um, as many of us know, uh, you know, you were one of the key kind of pieces behind us. Sapago profile slash Citrix profile manager utility, um, you know that that they acquired. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, about that project? Like, how did how did the the Sapago profile come come to be, and how did it end up in the Citrix stack? Well, um, yeah, I'd be happy to elaborate a little bit. Um, in 2005, I joined Sapago, and um, uh, Zipago was and still is uh, a Citrix uh, consult consulting company mainly focused on Citrix and related te technologies. And at the time uh, I, when I joined, um, they already had an idea born from some um, customer ex experience with uh, concrete experience in customer environments. They, they wanted to tackle the user profile management issue, that, which was kind of an unsolved, more or less an unsolved problem at the time. I'd argue it's still unsolved, but carry on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, there's still a lot of many, many challenges today. Definitely, yes. Uh, I would be the, I, I, yeah, you can't not agree with that. Uh, well, at, that, at the time um, when I joined, they had this more or less sketchy idea of what could and should be done. And then a few months after I started in the company, we talked about the, the it and I learned about it. And it, it turned out quite nicely that they that I knew some C, C and C++ development. And so they gave me basically this side task and let, let's work a little bit on it and let's see what comes out of it. <laughs> so that's how it got started. And initially, so it was a very small side project of mine. Uh, and then it became slowly bigger. It took up more time. And eventually, uh, a few co-developers were hired. Um, and I became kind of, a, kind of a, like an architect for the thing. And it was, yeah, um, we talked uh, to Citrix and presented uh, the product to them, among other things. And it was pretty awesome that Citrix finally seemed uh, extremely interested and in 2008 bought the product. Uh, yes, and now as probably everyone, or most of you, you guys know, it's available as Citrix uh, Profile Manager and it's part of the Citrix stack and it's free for most Citrix customers. Yeah, that's actually awesome to see. And the one thing I'm most proud of is that in a recent survey, um, I uh, conducted by Ruben Sprout uh, and colleagues, uh, it turned out that uh, um, 
sorry, Twitix profit management has about 20, 22 percent uh, market share in the profit management space and is by far the biggest product, which is, of course, kind of easy since it's free <laughs> for Citrix customers. So no, it's a, I, sorry, go on, AJ. Yeah, I got a question. So, you know, with you, you know, helping develop profile management or Sapaga profile and Citrix, you know, licensing, buying that and into profile management, and it's widely used in a lot of deployments, you know, and, and for one, you know, that's one of the first ones I use when I start off. And, you know, when I start deployment off, so I'll look at using that. If I need something more, then we'll start looking at other solutions. Um, there's been some, some some debate and some chatter back and forth. Do you see Citrix being able to take that and turn it into more of a UAM tool? Um, you know, maybe not as as feature-rich as like Res or AppSense or any of those, but something that would be just enough to help the user. Because right now they kind of claim, well... You know, use profile management plus GPP is kind of their like default pushback. Yes, I think I get you. Uh, well, it's it could be a little bit. Um, they could be working a little bit harder on profile management. From my personal point of view, uh, they haven't added too much after the initial. Uh, yeah, after after they took over the product, a few nice features were added, like the profile streaming, which I still think is a very good feature. Mm -hmm. But after that, the product has been more or less sitting there, and it still does its job. It does the job it was uh, created to do, in my opinion, quite well. Uh, but there could have been more of an evolution, and uh, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm not really seeing that, and I would love to see it. But well, it's that, that's the way. That's what I see the way. I see. Yeah. Understood. I mean, I you know, in 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 credit to 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 it as it stands today. What what I love about the Citrix profile management solution is the simplicity of it. You set up a you set up a policy. You point it at a network share, and that's pretty much it. You know, it captures what it needs to capture. The 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 amount of profiles you need to delete go down ninety percent day to day. It's it, it is a it is a, it, it does exactly what it, it it says it should do, and it it, it does. That in my opinion, well, um, I understand what you mean about Citrix kind of keeping it alive as opposed to really heavily developing it. But you know, for 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 what it does and 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 how it stands today, I think it's in pretty good shape for for um for you know what what it was originally purchased for. So kudos on that one, personally. Yes, and I, I agree with that as well. It, it's 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 a great tool. Like I said, that's the first thing I use in all my deployments. Is I start with that and only add stuff on if if extra functionality is needed. Um, you know, like a, a good one to look at is, um, you know, products that can bolt on top of it without having to change the, the profile. You like, you like the North scales out there where some other products, you kind of have to migrate away from it. So, um, like I said, it, it's, it's a great tool. It's one of the ones I first use every time and only add later on. And I agree the stream piece was really good functionality. Uh, I would just like to see more evolution of it. Like you said. Mm -hmm. So moving on here, um, let's talk about you being independent. So why did you decide decide to go independent, and was it a tough move? Was it an easy decision? You know, kind of tell us your thought process on on going independent. Well, uh, during the I think six and a half years at Tepago, I learned many many uh, things. Um, uh, 
Some of them, uh, many of them involved uh, creating enterprise class uh, software working. We had an 18 months period after the sale of the product to Citrix where we worked together with Citrix and co-developed and basically handed off the product to Citrix. Which is which, which was already also a phase um, where I, I and my colleagues, of course, learned many great uh, things about how a large software organization works, how how things internally are organized, things like that. Well, and after all that, um, I I think the main reason was I wanted to try my own. How how, how I asked myself how. Could, what, what could you achieve if you started from scratch uh, with all that experience that you uh, that you have? You you know what enterprise software needs to look like. You know uh, how large scale software de development works. You have all that consulting experience as a Windows and Citrix guy. So I wanted to try my basically try my luck and see what happens if I just start from scratch and create new software and uh, see what happens. <laughs> Very good. I mean, yeah, it's something that myself and Jerry have done as well. So, I mean, obviously, it's been it's been very fruitful for me. I mean, if you were to, if there's anybody out there today who who was thinking about going independent, is there is there one piece of advice you'd give them before they they'd make the leap? Uh, let's say, let's see. Um... Uh, well, going independent is um, certainly a lot easier if you're very young and don't have a family yet, because then typically the amount of money you need per per week or per month is uh, a lot lower than it is if you already have a house, which you probably need still need to pay off if you're you have a family and uh, all all that. So. Um, if you're young, I'd say. Uh, if you have some experience and some idea what you are going to do, just do it. Uh, there's not much that can go wrong. If you're, you already have a family, uh, well, obviously you need to uh, provide the basic, well, either you have a partner uh, and then uh, who has a, ideally full-time job and which uh, leaves you, gives you some freedom to kind of experiment and see how, how that, works to actually uh, get money <laughs> money in and if that's not the case then what I did is I started to develop software on the side basically and worked part-time as a consultant so that I balanced these things initially and that brought in enough money so that I could uh, dedicate some of my time to to writing software Oh, very good. Okay. Well, I'm sure that'll be that'll be well heated advice, and I, I echo your sentiments. Um, about myself, Jerry, and went independent after having a family, and it definitely adds an additional level of stress, doesn't it? So, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anywho. So yes, yeah, so let's talk about set uh, ACL Studio. So um, you move it from the command line, and you kind of uh, make it uh, ACL management user proof. And so, what kind of surprised you about a uh, set ACL Studio? Yeah, well, um, the hardest thing, uh, what surprised me most is that, is that GUI development is really, really super hard. If you want to have a nice user experience and want a want nice UI that not only looks nice, but is also intuitive and easy to use and 
that has keyboard shortcuts and works uh, can be used with a mouse, with a keyboard, and works on various uh, screen resolutions and things like that. That's so much work. Um, I, I would estimate that for a typical product, the actual code that does things is probably 25 to 30, 40% of the total development work and 60 and potentially much more, uh, much higher percentage of the total development work you need to put into the user interface, which just doesn't make the product do any more things. It's just to present the functionality to the user. I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, it, it, a lot of a lot of organizations are going kind of PowerShell commands first. So Citrix is a prime example. Uh, you know, VMware have done a couple of bits where they'll they'll rely on a REST API rather than giving you a, a GUI. And you know, I, I, you've actually echoed a really good point. Uh, myself and Remco and, and Dave uh, argue about this quite a lot in the sense that you know, I, I often turn around to them and I say, "Here, look, you, you guys do all the, the you guys do the coding, and I'll do the GUI. I'll do the hard work." <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, trying to make sure that every checkbox is 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 validated making sure that the apply and okay buttons actually function separately as opposed to just doing the same function um yeah there there's there's a whole lot of things in a gui that often people miss uh, as to how complicated it is with a command line either they put in the right command or they get an error with a gui not so much you really have to hold their hand through it uh, and move through it that way so you know it's fascinating to hear you um you uh, you say that too um i i yeah GUIs, GUIs are hard, man. But I mean, so ZACL Studio was was the first product you kind of came out with under your independent banner, wasn't it? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. And uh, you know, the the the, the um, yeah, I, I used the tool. I thought it was great. So you know, kudos on that one again. But I mean, you've obviously you've obviously you know since moved on from there. Your your the next product to come out of the the, the brain of Helga was was Uber Agent. Um, you know, you've you've obviously started your, your new venture called Vast Limits. Um, from what I can see from out there, I've I've tried it myself. I used it for for um for some benchmarking of of my own product. Uh, you know, internally in my own lab. Um, you know, uh, can you tell us a little bit? You know about um, you know where Uber Agent came from, and uh, you know uh, and why you decided to go into the monitoring and reporting market. Well, uh, yes. Um, in order to be good at monitoring, you need to you need a lot of experience. Uh, you need to understand uh, the operating system. You need to understand the typical apps that run on the operating system, including uh, platform software like Citrix, VMware, and things. Uh, Product like that, and then you need to know your uh, your customer really well. So, what is the typical customer? In this case, the IT admin or the IT consultant. What what is he or she going to do with it? What do these people expect from a product? What do they need? What uh, kind of questions do they have that uh, the product should be able should help answer? So, all of these questions require a lot of knowledge about. All that, uh, all that, all that, this market. So um, basically, I was ready only then to create a product that uh, needed that much experience and input. On the other hand, I had dabbled in monitoring early on in my career. About uh, in the early 2000s, I had the um, well, the dubious pleasure of working with HP OpenView for a year or two. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> it has its interesting points, and I learned a lot in that uh, time. So um, that helped me 
to at least try to design a product that uh, makes things easier than such a monster as traditional monitoring products like Tivoli or HP OpenView, which are really horrible to implement and actually use. Oh yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I suppose the yeah. I mean, the the, the key things that that really rung true there with me was the you know the, the the most difficult bit in the monitoring product isn't isn't actually writing the monitoring product. It's knowing what you should actually be monitoring for, what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable, what 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 key features or key counters or key metrics are important for each of the the different virtual environments. And I think you you've captured that absolutely. I mean, even your your application launch times specifically. You know you. Uh, I remember watching a session, I think it was at A2E, where you discussed how you, you needed something like this, but nothing kind of existed at that time. So again, yeah, I'd, I'd echo what you say. I think taking the knowledge that you'd gained throughout the years, working with all of those different technologies, is the, is, is the killer feature of Uber Agent, if that makes sense, because you've, behind it, you've got you know, a decade of experience. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously Uber Agent is, is built on Splunk. I mean, uh, Splunk is a, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic monitoring product. There's so much you can do with that one product. It just takes data from everywhere and formats it in a brilliant way. And it's got a really good interface. So, I mean, not to, not to, not to steal from the question, but I mean, wh- wh- how did you first discover Splunk and why did you decide to build Uber Agent on Splunk? Well, I, uh, I knew about Splunk for had known about Splunk for a long time, but I hadn't really thought about it or seen it in action. Uh, I had actually seen it in action by, in a few uh, presentations done by our esteemed CTP colleague, Jason Conger. And when I sat in that room and watched Jason demo the product, uh, I thought to myself, well, but man, it would be awesome to be able to work with this tool. <laughs> it's so great. This looks so cool and so powerful. And, um, well, a little later, uh, my, uh, who is my, now my associate, Brandon Shell, he, at that time, he, uh, he worked for Splunk. He, he, we, we met at a Briform conference in Chicago, and he, one, one night, he said to me, Helge, uh, don't you think you could write a cool agent for Splunk, a Windows agent that, well, gives us all that great information about log on duration and things like that, that every end user computing admin needs to know. And I immediately, immediately recognized the potential. Uh, well, there is a g- great platform that just la- lacks a great agent. And finally, there was a chance to work with this cool product. So I didn't have to think very long about that. Uh, and for a developer, Splunk basically offers all the backend you need. It offers data storage, data retrieval, and visualization. Uh, it has great, a great UI and visualization component, and building dashboards and building you, uh, your own UI on top of that is really easy. We talked about the difficulties uh, of creating a UI from scratch. You don't have that with uh, Splunk. That is one of the very uh, great points in favor of this uh, solution. Very good. And you touched on a point there. I mean, obviously, you know, Brandon Shell, kind of PowerShell and Splunk, you know, aficionado, uh, you know, obviously recently joined your team. I mean, you know, away from the product, I mean, how does it feel to be creating kind of a team of, of, of superheroes in our industry, you know, on a venture that you started on your own? You must feel pretty proud of yourself. Well, absolutely. It's, um, it's awesome to be able to do this. And I'd like to uh, answer with a quote uh, that it goes something like this. Uh, if you're the smartest person in, in the room, you're, you're doing something wrong. Uh, 
Meaning, uh, well, it, I like to work with people who are at least as smart as I am, who have uh, great ideas and uh, contribute and who are real partners, not, not kind of subordinates. There's another saying that goes um, A's hire A's and B's hire C's. And I don't want to be in the company with the B's and C's. I want to be around other A's. So that's what I'm aiming for. No, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's totally understandable. And, you know, I saw Brandon and I can't remember the other gentleman's name um, at Bryform Denver. And I was walking around and I was like, hey, are you working for Splunk now or for Uber Region now? He goes, yeah, I'm making the transition. So it, it was good to see and good to see you guys also have a booth there at Bryform Denver as well. I wasn't. I wasn't fortunate enough. Uh, actually, not that I wasn't fortunate enough. I'm not going to get into that argument now. But um, <laughs> I, I wasn't a bright form endeavor. But uh, that's, that's fantastic. So I mean, I mean, from what I can see, I mean, I've 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 been tracking Uber agents closely because I mean, obviously, attend E2E quite a lot, and you know, we're we're in the, the CDP program as well. Not only that, but I mean, we've been friends on Twitter for quite some time. Uh, you know, how, how is Uber agent getting on as it stands? Like, I mean, I, you know, and what can we expect to see coming up in uh, in, in in the future of Uber agent? Well, um, the success is phenomenal. Uh, the everything goes way up. The number of requests, the the sales, uh, the implementations, the number of seats, and everything that's that's good. <laughs> so that is totally awesome, and I'm really, really super happy about that. Um, I can't really talk about any specific features we're planning. Uh, of course, we have some cool stuff uh, <laughs> that is that we are going to release uh, but you're not going to uh, and I'm not going to talk about that right here but uh, I, I'm going to say that right now uber agent as an agent it sits in the machine or on the machine you're monitoring so in the virtualized OS in the Zen app machine in the in the client whatever you are trying to uh, to, to monitor uh, we don't have when currently we're not looking at anything else, not at your infrastructure components like, for example, your database or your Citrix storefront or things like that. And those are components we are going to be looking at and providing information about in the future too. Oh, cool. Okay, so you're 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 taking the hop from focusing specifically on the user story to making sure that the the infrastructure in the back end is is performant or is up or that kind of stuff. You're you're starting to branch out away from the the, the client. Would that be fair? Uh, yes, that is one aspect of it. The other is um, if. It's great to know if, for example, if you have a Citrix Zen app farm, it's great to know if your Citrix Zen app servers uh, run smoothly, but if your user can't connect because, for example, the, the web interface or storefront or whatever is down, then that does, the knowledge about the Zen app servers alone doesn't help you very much. <laughs> your users are going to be having, be having a, a very bad time, and you as an admin or a consultant, you should know about it. Um, and so we are going to be painting the a lot more complete picture that ensures that uh, people uh, that are responsible for the infrastructure know, uh, know the status and the performance uh, about everything that is important for users to be able to access the applications and data. And the other thing we are going to try, sorry, uh, we are do going to do that in a way that is as 
Uber agent is today super easy and fast and simple to implement and get working. So I don't know, you, you probably played, I know you both played with Uber agent and used it in various projects uh, already. And you probably found too that getting it up and running is about a matter of half an hour if you're a little bit slow maybe. <laughs> and uh, you don't need a database, you don't need anything complicated. That's uh, one of the very, uh, the points we are uh, looking, uh, putting a lot of focus on. Sounds very cool, man. Sounds very cool, and I'm delighted for you. I mean, obviously, you know, um, I, I've known you for well, I've, I've been following you for for a very long time from a from a you know a, from a career progression point of view. Uh, I mean, you're a, you're a Citrix CDP, you're a VMware V expert, you're a Microsoft MVP. I mean, and I hope you don't mind me saying it. I mean, you you are one of the most well known IT pros in our market. Uh, you know, and as you can hear, an incredible success story. I mean, to anybody out there starting off their career or you know in consultancy or whatever else, making to you know, making to, to make the next leap. Would you have any advice for them on 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 how to get started or or how to to move forward? Well, yes. I, I, what I can recommend is uh, you need to work incredibly hard. <laughs> At least I need to do that. Uh, and um, many evenings and potentially weekends uh, are required to to play with things, to to read, to try to play in your lab. I know you, both of you guys are doing that a lot too. To, to get all the experience, uh, you need to be really good. And for example, if you uh, start blogging, uh, the first blog post, nobody is going to read it. Uh, the second and third and fourth and fifth blog post, probably not many more people either. But then with a little bit of luck, if you're posting good stuff, interesting stuff that people need to know, want to know that is interesting, then slowly your popularity is going to increase. But that takes a lot of time and it's a little bit um, like the, the success of Seth Eckel we talked about uh, at the beginning of this podcast. It goes so slowly that you nearly don't notice that something is happening at all. And then suddenly... In my case, it took several years. You notice that people are, uh, when you meet people at a conference, for example, you, some of them will talk to you about your blog posts. And that's actually a really great moment. <laughs> Oh, very good. Thank you very much. Well, I, I I do appreciate that. Um, it's uh, yeah, no, it, it's incredible to have you on, and um, it it's uh, you know, it, it, you do have a fascinating story to share. And I you know I I I'd agree with you there as well, in, in the sense that you know, get blogging, get blogging. It's not a it's not a short term commitment. It's not a it's not a means to an end. It's it's just you know, it's it's a lifestyle. Dabble, blog, keep doing it, keep going, and um, you know, uh, if you enjoy it, then you know, the success will follow afterwards. If that's fair. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great way to put it. Uh, to the, the saying that it, it's a lifestyle, definitely. If you can't, if if you can only keep it up for a few weeks, well, it doesn't. Yeah, nothing much is going to happen. If you need, are able and capable of keeping it up for years, then um, great things might become of your engagement, your community work. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. And you know, ultimately, if it's not, you know, you don't gain any traction. But if you're enjoying it, well, you haven't lost anything, have you? Oh no, no, of course not. You gain some experience, which is always uh, valuable. Yeah. So, on a personal note, you know, kind of away from Sprunk, Uber Agent, you know, EUC, kind of like your day-to-day job and everything. What uh, market or technology are you currently watching at the moment, and what excites you about it? 
Well, uh, I don't have that one big thing in addition to uh, all these things you know about, we talked about. Um, so I don't have that one big thing I'm interested in. Um, I'm interested in many, many different things in relation to technology. I like, well, I like user experience. I like good technology uh, products, hardware and software that are polished, that w just work kind of magically. <laughs> um, and I like web technologies in various kinds. I'm, I'm uh, kind of a WordPress aficionado. How do you pronounce that in English? Uh, Enthusiast. <laughs> Enthusiast. <laughs> uh, so I like to, uh, uh, the, 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 our company's uh, web server, I'm, I've built that from scratch and I blogged about that, by the way. Um, and uh, I, I like dabbling with many different things. I like reading and uh, about security. And basically, I'm interested in all the technology around me. So there's many, so many fascinating things happening, self-driving cars and cool stuff all around. Uh, yeah, that, it's a great age to live in and uh, many wonders are all around us and happening every day. Yeah, I think that rings true. For, that rings true for me as well in the sense that, you know, it's important not to focus in on one thing because you never know where the, where the next project is going to come from, A and B. You know, and there is, there's so much happening around us that, you know, there's, there's bound to be something else of interest to you out there if you just open your eyes. Um, yeah, no, that, that's that, that's some really that's some really interesting stuff. I mean, we, we've had some 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 really funny answers on this <laughs> on that <laughs> session, and we, we we love to answer we, we love to ask this question because it's it's a good way to kind of get ahead of the curve. But security is definitely one that that, that people have have echoed time and time again. And uh, yeah, the, the books thing. If I find the books thing interesting, personally, I, I don't read much myself. Um, probably should read more to be honest to turn off because they do have a hard, hard time turning the old brain off from time to time. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it, it's good and sound advice. Kind of, you, you keep a wide kind of vision over everything that in, that interests you. Yeah, I would agree as well. And you know, I try to read more, but you know, unless I'm really interested in it, it's hard for me to kind of sit down and and, and dive into a book unless it's something that really interests me. Um, but yeah, I agree as well. Just you know, having the broad depth of things, keeping up because everything's changing so fast, and you, you kind of want to focus in on one thing um, and just stay up with you know, kind of the the tide that's rising with everything in technology. Indeed. Okay. So, uh, Helga, it's been it's been brilliant to have you on today. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your and your and your um and your your yeah your journey this far or thus far with us. Um, it's been I know personally I found it fascinating. Um, before we close down, I just wanted to thank our sponsors, Control Up uh, Liquidware Labs and FS Logics for letting us do what we do because uh, we love it. So, without further ado, uh, thanks again, Helga, and I'll hand back over to Jerry and to close down. Uh, thank you, Helga, for joining us today. Really enjoyed um, talking with you and listening to. Uh, to know more about you so for all of our listeners out there thank you for listening to the frontline chatter podcast my name is jarring gibson with andrew morgan and we will talk to you next time thank you bye <laughs>